Welcome to the John Nuzzo Leadership Podcast. Welcome to this month's podcast. If you find any value in the podcast, I'd ask that you would take some time and, and share it with others and bring some value to some other people. We are in part two of dealing with the image of God as it appears and appeals to our human sexuality as God reveals himself to us. We talked a lot last month about the image of God being altered and how God, through, through, the, through the issue of gender and marriage and reproduction of children, is how his image is revealed in the earth. This month, I want to move over again into a little bit more depth and talk about the issue of homosexuality, the issue even of, even of heterosexuality that is outside the plan of God. This is very important. God's image is revealed in male and female, in husband and wife, and husband and wife sexually coming together to reproduce children so the image of God can be reproduced in the earth. We saw that when we talked about in last month's podcast, and if you haven't listened to it, please go back and take the time and do so, that when you alter the image of God, that's called idolatry. It's called creating a false God. And there's an old record album that Jethro Tull that said on the back of it, and God made man in his image, and then man returned the favor. See, the first two commandments of the 10 have to deal, deal with and do with the image of God. He said, you'll have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. God will not have other gods before him. It's not that he doesn't want to. He can't. There are things God cannot do. God cannot lie. The Bible also tells us he cannot change. So if I come to God, having altered his image in any way, shape, form, or fashion, I have changed God for God to accept my premise, for God to accept my social construct, whatever you want to call it, would require God to change. Redesigning sex, redesigning marriage, gender, family, is, a, is redesigning the very image of God. As such, it's called idolatry. As we referred to last month, it's like me going and getting the Mona Lisa and painting over it. Now, this is so important. Anything I add or subtract from the image of God will diminish God's plan for my life because it's altering the very image of God in me. Remember Genesis 1.27 said, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, while God rejects his image being altered, he doesn't reject people. Every human being gets the privilege of either receiving a Savior and receiving the payment that he made for their sin or dying and paying for their sin themselves. That's not up to God. It's up to man. But I want to be very specific now, and then I want to unpack it. I want to talk to you about images that God absolutely rejects. You could say it this way. It's messing with the Mona Lisa. Remember, man is God's masterpiece. I'm going to read them. I'm going to just name them to you. But if you stop at the end of this list, it's not going to be redemptive but I want you to hear it. God entirely rejects 
a person changing their gender. God entirely rejects homosexuality and gay marriage. God entirely rejects any sex outside of a marriage that is between one man and one woman, hetero or homosexual. God absolutely rejects children born outside of a marriage that is between one man and one woman. Listen closely. I didn't say he rejects the children. He rejects that the children are being born in a way that doesn't reflect they being raised in an environment where male and female are together having the image of God in that home. God rejects any use of pornography or what we could call sexual intimacy alone. That's a false intimacy. God fully rejects. In fact, in the Bible, it says he hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. But if you've been through a divorce, you know the pain that it causes for those going through it, and you know the pain it causes for children. God doesn't hate divorce because he hates people. He hates divorce because he loves people. All of these images God rejects. Why? Because God rejects his image being altered, but he doesn't reject you. The love of God now creates a way to have the image of God revealed and manifest in our broken lives. So this now becomes a message of of redemption, not a message of shame. Whether you're dealing with, and these are legitimate issues people deal with. People deal with their sexuality. People deal with their gender. People deal with sex outside of marriage, obviously. People deal with having children outside of marriage. People deal with pornography. It's at epidemic proportions. And people are dealing with divorce. But if those things become weaponized, then the voice of redemption of which Jesus came to to, to trumpet disappears in legalism. This is not a message of shame to say God rejects his image being, being altered. He'll have no other gods before him. God rejects idolatry. And so if these issues in any way have touched you or someone you love or are currently doing so, this is not where you run away from God. It's where you run to him. I'm going to take you to a couple of scriptures that I believe have been entirely misunderstood, and they've been weaponized against people. So let me make a few statements about sexuality. As a pastor, I I really can't remember the amount of times that I've talked to people dealing with their sexuality, whether it be issues of, of, of heterosexual issues that are sinful or homosexuality. I, I don't even remember all the times. And can I tell you that not one person that I've ever spoken to that either is feels they are a homosexual and, and, and there's, that's who they are or people who don't want the same-sex attraction they feel. I've never met one of them that wanted it. I've never met one of them that sought for it. I've never met one of them that said, hey, this is exactly what I was hoping for. I've never met a person who deals with their gender, who wanted it. And when, you, we, when we speak to issues that we've never experienced, and we simply say it's a choice. You just got up one day and said, I'll be gay. You got up one day and said, I'm, gonna, I'm not a woman, I'm a man. 
And you just arbitrarily came up with that. Number one, it's not true. But more importantly, it is so offensive to speak to someone in that kind of distress with such definitive language that you've never experienced yourself. And that's why I very often see scriptures that are redemptive at at, at their heart, weaponized, and they're used against people. Romans chapter 1 very clearly deals with issues of sexuality, but I believe it's been weaponized. I believe it's been used to actually push people away from God. I believe it's been used to actually say this to people. If you would change how you feel, God will accept you. What I always tell people who are wanting to battle through issues of sexuality is that don't try to change your feelings. And and listen, please, don't even pray for your feelings to change. Pray to be made whole. Pray that your inward parts, the part of your makeup that's born in Christ, becomes made whole or holy or more reflecting of the image of God. Let me read out of Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It said, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious and ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. Today, people are literally serving a God that they've made up. The Bible says that they're worshiping idols. The script, this scripture said that idols that are, that are made in the, just simply the, the, in the images of human beings, what they've come up with. And he said, and when you do that, when you create foolish ideas of what God was like, or in other words, you create a God in your image, in the other, except the, and not the other way around, that he made you in his image. He said that our minds will become dark and confused. We claiming to be wise will become fools. Now, I think anybody can look at what's happening in culture, and you can sit back and shake your head and think, how can anybody hold this view? I'm convinced that in the near future, if things continue, having a gender reveal party for a young couple that's having a baby is going to become politically incorrect. We actually have people saying today that I don't want to assign a gender to my child at birth. I want them to choose their gender. I think it's safe to say the child doesn't need an issue with gender. They need a parental transplant. But what happens when we create a God in our own image is our minds become dark and confused. Up is down and down is up. And wise is foolish and foolish is wise. When you create or I create a God in my image, that God begins to govern my life. That's what he's saying. So when somebody says, I feel a certain way, therefore that's who I am. Well, if we were to bring that out to its its logical conclusion, then you would have to look at pedophilia and say, well, I don't believe anybody has chosen to be a pedophile. I don't think anybody woke up and said, I want to be attracted to young boys or young women. 
if 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 you're in your 30s or 40s and or 20s and and you're attracted to an 8-year-old i think it's fair to say that person didn't want that so because they didn't want it is it now okay well that that's different because children don't have a, a will and they don't have a choice and they're too young that's an opinion but if we're going to go to the darkened mind who are you to say that an eight-year-old doesn't have a choice or a nine-year-old? Why are you imposing on them your will? You can bring this to the most ridiculous conclusions. And the result is because when you make a God in your image, that darkened image becomes your God and your Lord. Romans one twenty four goes on to say this. So God abandoned them. See, if you hear that through religious ears, you hear it with anger. God abandoned them. He made, he made, they make him sick and he abandoned them. That's not what it was. God abandoned them with the heartbreak of a parent having to walk away from perhaps a child who's an addict that they have no choice but to let them live within their choices. And God abandoned them. He respected their free will. Remember, the closest thing to being God in man is free will. You're made in his likeness and image. God does not override it. It said God abandoned them, permitting them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, now listen, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of all eternal praise. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex, instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. And men did shameful things with other men. As a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Now listen, for their perversion. People have taken these verses and said, You're, they're perverts. God hates them. God's abandoned them. But God didn't say that. He said, the God they've created has perverted the image of God in them. And it's filled their mind with such darkness and confusion and foolishness that they truly have traded the truth about God for a lie. What's the lie? Well, it's sexuality. No. The lie is that they, they have created a false God and a false image. No differently than the calf that Aaron formed when Moses was on Mount Sinai. If we go back to me altering the Mona Lisa, and if I were to go to the actual Mona Lisa and take it from behind the bulletproof glass, because it's there and it's been protected there, because years ago in the 1950s, a young Bolivian man named Hugo Villegas threw a rock at Mona Lisa in 1956, and he literally put a chip in her elbow. The, the pigment came off, of the, the paint came off. They restored it, but then they protected that image. Mona is behind bulletproof glass. I've been there, and I've seen her. But what God's simply saying is that I don't want my image altered. I don't want 
you creating a God in your image that's not who I am anymore than any of you would want me to put lipstick on the Mona Lisa. If I did so, now listen to the terminology. If I truly permanently altered the Mona Lisa, I think it would be fair for people to say this, and I think they would. They would say what you did to Mona Lisa was vile. What you did to the Mona Lisa was degrading. What you did to the Mona Lisa was a perversion. What was vile and degrading and perverse about it? Not that I altered the image, because wise, my image can be as good as Leonardo's. But the reality of it is, it's a masterpiece. And to change a masterpiece, I think very clearly, not only would you call it vile and degrading and perverse, I would be arrested and, and put in jail for, de- for absolutely defacing what they would call a priceless work of art. You are a priceless work of art. Every human being with God or apart from God is made in his likeness and image. Listen, everybody is made in the image of God. Not everybody is a child of God. You have to come to Christ to be born of God but everybody's made in his image. Everybody is his creation. And so when we say changing your gender is vile, degrading, and perverse, it's not saying that about the person. It's saying that about the image of God being altered. When we say that homosexuality is vile and degrading and perverse, it's not an affront to people who are either who either have accepted homosexuality as their life or people dealing with that issue. No matter how you look at it, no matter how you look at all of these issues, you have to ask this simple question. Does God reject me or my rejection of his image? Let me say that again. Does God reject me or my rejection of his image in me? You see, if you want to walk with God, you have to take next steps to let his image be fully formed in you. Of course, first coming to Christ and then letting the word of God dwell in your heart richly. But there's a statement I want you to grasp. We need one another to fully be made whole and to fully reject the outside images in our lives. You say, no, no, I don't need anybody, just just God and me. That's all I need. That's not true. God placed you in his body. We need one another. If you don't experience the unconditional love of God from people, you will not be able to heal and overcome the power of sin, guilt, and shame, and experience being transformed into his image. Your inward man beginning to gain gain the ascendancy over the outer man in all of its brokenness. Remember, so much of sexual sin is rooted in sexual brokenness. Things that have happened in people's lives that have been so brutal. Imagine having gone through the brutality of a rape as a child, having your sexuality distorted, dealing with issues of sexuality, and then having a Christian say, if you love God, you wouldn't feel that way. You can't change how you feel. Don't try. Then what do I do? You walk with God, and you become made whole. Are you saying like, that God's going to change a homosexual? Listen to me. 
God changes everybody who walks with him. We are changed from faith to faith, from glory to glory, listen, into his image. Yes, he'll change you sexually, not just with issues of homosexuality, but heterosexually. Yes, he'll change the way you speak and the way you think and the way you treat people as you become morally formed out of your inward man to your outer man. But people must experience the unconditional love of God from people in the area where they found guilt. Open your heart to people that are fighting through these issues. Open your heart to people that aren't even fighting and be an open door. Galatians 6 tells us this, Brothers, if a man be overtaken in a fault or a sin, you which are spiritual, restore such a person. In a spirit of gentleness, consider yourself, for you can also be tempted. Bear and carry one another's burdens. He's talking about sins and faults. And in doing so, you will fulfill the law of Christ. My spiritual father had an experience where there was a minister that had fallen and people were criticizing him, and he was as well at some level. And he asked the Lord this question. He said, Lord, why aren't we seeing more people restored? And the short version of that story is this. The Lord said to him, because there aren't many spiritual among you. He said, because spiritual people restore broken people. And none of you are spiritual. You're all a bunch of Pharisees. You're all a bunch of, I'm better than. Not that I need the same mercy that you need to receive. The Bible said, when I restore somebody, I'm fulfilling the law of Christ. Truly spiritual people will love a person in their deepest sin and shame and brokenness. Not not justifying wrongdoing, but fighting through life together. That's why Jesus said that all men will know you and know you're my followers by your love one for another. So as as we wind this, this issue down, it's my prayer that you put this in context and always be redemptive when you speak with people. Never assume you know how they got how they are. Always be redemptive. Always be kind. Please don't be bigoted toward people who don't suffer the same temptations you do. And let's be people who bring a Savior to a lost and broken world, no matter what that sinfulness and brokenness is. God bless you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast this month. See you next month. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Your reviews expand our reach. So if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take time to rate and review us. We look forward to having you with us on the next episode of the John Muzo Leadership Podcast.